Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host of this little ditty, and I'm sitting across from Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. How are you doing today, Kurt? Doing great, good, bro. Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Now, I'm looking around the studio, and there's only two of us, which means you are our guest today. So that's good to know that uh, it's a little bit different than what we normally do on Solid Steps. If you're just joining us for the very first time, we're a show for men by men. We talk about things from a men's perspective, and we love that the ladies listen to. Everything pertains to them for the most part, but we just talk to the guys as our audience primarily. And uh, we have been a show that's been on now for a couple of years, and we just talk about different areas of life and different areas of, of the faith journey that we are uh, on or you are not on or maybe getting on one day. And we believe here that you are destined to be a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ, and uh, that is your destiny. He had that plan for you before you were even born, for the earth was created, it said in Ephesians, that uh, he predestined you to be adopted and uh, we just want to be a little tool in your toolbox. We just want to encourage you, spur you along, and sometimes maybe you'd be a little convicted when you hear. And um, that's what we do. We talk about uh, life and how we take solid steps when we're walking with God. And uh, this week, we're taking a little bit of departure of how we do it. We don't have a guest in the studio. Uh, Kurt and I have talked over uh, times uh, past that if you go to church every week, Kurt, we've talked about how mm-hmm. uh, if you hear a 30-minute sermon every week of the year, you will hear the Bible preached for 26 hours of the year. Now, there's 8,760 hours in a year. And so I, I feel for pastors who have to preach the entire gamut of the scriptures in 26 hours of the year. You just you can't cover everything, mm-hmm. and it's hard to do that. So we've talked about how, boy, it's hard to do... Uh, to not, we need to cover topics that maybe you would not hear from a pulpit. And today we're going to talk about something that you hear mentioned, but you very rarely hear an entire sermon on. And uh, we're talking about something today that really, if you've ever listened to me talk any time on the show, I've used this reference of a football field. And the end zones of the football field are the ends of the field, and that the middle is the 50-yard line. And the end zones, we sometimes hang out in those end zones. And the topic we're talking today is typically people will be in one of the two end zones of the extremes of this of this topic, right? Yeah. And so one end zone of this topic is too much of something. The other end zone is too little. And today we're talking about spiritual warfare. And that right there will either make some people go yawn. I don't want to hear about that. Or other people may be intrigued by it. But the reality of it is the two groups of people where you typically fall are the too much of, meaning they are so obsessed with spiritual warfare and demonic activity that it becomes almost an obsession with them. Or the other end of the end zone, which they're like, hey, I don't even think about God that much, let alone Satan or demons. So what's the healthy one? We, we want to get to the 50-yard line today and just spend a little bit of time talking about what the spiritual warfare look like in the life of a believer in, in America these days. And specifically, guys, what role does that play in us as, as guys? So uh, I'm, I'm flipping the script a little bit, and Kurt and I are going to dialogue and just talk about this, because this is something that we, we've always talked about, right? I've been passionate about this for years, you know. Yeah. Probably 30 years ago, I was on a missions trip to Indonesia, mm-hmm. and my eyes were open for the first time about, wow, this is like, we, I don't know anything about this. And it was a... It was one of those experiences where there was a witch doctor in this primitive village in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, and 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 yet, like, oh my goodness, there 
there is a spiritual war going on. And wow, I, I was completely, in many ways, unaware right. of that. Yeah, and I went to Cuba a few, three or four times. And that was early in my faith journey as well. And, and uh, I remember going to Cuba and um, I saw things and experienced things that were, you don't see it, your evangelical mega church down the corner or wherever you go. I mean, it's just things that, conversations that are had and people doing insane things. And you're like, there is a, there's something going on. I told my kids the other night, I said, um, do you see oxygen? No, what's well, all around you and you use it and it's, it impacts your day. And I said, that's the same thing about with God. We don't see him, but it impacts us. But also we don't see the enemy. And I say the enemy, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's just start from square one, spiritual warfare 101. What do well, we need to know about that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I think you're exactly right. The, the, the guy who trained me and um, f- for years, um, really said, he, he described exactly what you said, uh, the opposite ends of the football field. Right. And he said, no, we, you know, we have to get the biblical balance of what does it mean not to be too afraid of the enemy, but to be aware of him. Mm-hmm. I, I was on staff years ago and uh, with uh, some leadership, church leadership, and one of the wise, if you would even mention, you know, the devil or Satan or, you know, demons. I mean, she'd walk out the room. Mm. She she didn't want to have any kind of discussion because she lived in fear. Mm. I'm like, well, that's not healthy either. Right. You know, so how do we find that, that bi- biblical balance? Well, it's interesting, Chad, that almost every New Testament book mentions either devil, Satan, evil spirits, uh, the powers of darkness. Mm. Um and there's a variety of names that the Bible gives to the powers of darkness. And so let me, let me just mention a, a, a handful here. Okay. Uh, the Bible calls the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12. He's known as the deceiver. He's known as uh, a liar and the father of lies in John chapter 8. He's known as a murderer. Um, he is, First uh, Peter calls him an enemy. And he's a, like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Uh, he's known as, uh, obviously, Satan or the devil, an adversary. He's known as the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, that's his, that's his agenda. He's known as a serpent or the snake introduced in Genesis chapter 3. He's uh, known as the evil one. Um, Several times, Ephesians chapter six, he's known in Matthew chapter four as the devil uh, uh, um, is tempting Jesus, and he's he's called the tempter. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And so you know when you think about the enemy, you know the Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter two that we we're not to be unaware of his schemes, and so he he has a, he has a strategy, he has a game plan for how to trip us up. And uh, so, so uh, let's just start. If somebody's saying, "Man, this is all new to me," and, and uh, so, who is Satan? Where did he come from? Well, uh, the Bible is a little unclear at times. Sometimes for our for our good, really. But it seems that, that there's a couple. There's several passages in Revelation, and you can go into the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 14. In fact, Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, listen to this, Chad. Mm-hmm. 
It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Who does that sound like? Well, it sounds like a pretty arrogant person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, many theologians would say, I, you know, that's a prophecy, but it seems to allude to also uh, how and what happened to Satan when he was the cherub and fell from fell from grace because of his uh, prideful heart. And he's mentioned as a cherub, but that is also, is that another word for an angel per se? Uh, a, yeah. A level of, yeah. yeah. Created we, we, by God. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so so the, the thing that we have to remember is that God is omnipotent, which means he's, he's all powerful. Right. And the Bible says that he is omnipresent, which means he's ever present. And he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. Satan is none of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's very deceptive, he's very trickery, and he's, he's full of lies. And that's his primary tool of how he gets us to fall prey to his, you know, in, in one sense, his, his stupidity. Right. Because he's opposing the goodness and the graciousness of God. And it mentions in Revelation that talks about the fall of of Satan that he a third of the angels of heaven rebelled with Satan. So he was crafty enough that a third of the angels and however many that is, I'm sure it's a lot, we don't have an exact number, but a third of the angels fell. So where are those angels right now? I think they're on earth. Well, and not, not not I mean they're 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 like the demonic forces of evil. So you when know, we hear the word demon. Mhm. We are really, in a sense, that's a fallen angel who has follow, followed Satan and rebelled with him. So when we hear a demon, that's a, an angel that has fallen, is now on the spiritual side of darkness. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, and I think um, and we have to remember that throughout the Gospels, Jesus is addressing the powers of darkness. Right. I, I mean, listen to this in, in Matthew chapter 10. He's telling his disciples, you're going to go out and you're going to, he's training them to you know, preach the kingdom of God. It's at hand. And he says to them, the kingdom of heaven is near, so I want you to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is very much aware of, of what's going on, and part of his program is to, uh, I say program, part of his ministry was to train his disciples to how to deal with the, the forces of darkness. Right. So we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to not spend the rest of the time on Satan, but we're going to talk about what does that role play in our life. I asked my kids the other night at the table, I said, the four most powerful people in the universe are who? And one of my boys goes, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then he thought, and he goes, and Satan? Well, that's right. I go, but one of them is not nearly as powerful as the other three. So we're going to talk a little bit here in the next couple segments about what does that mean for us in real life? Are you under any type of demonic oppression? Can you be possessed? What does this look like in our life? So we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Sapp in the studio by herself, which is usually a problem. 
<laughs> we're going to get in trouble. But uh, we are talking today about uh, spiritual warfare, and we're uh, that is a, a wide and deep topic. But we're just kind of giving some. Uh, covering the bases of some of the basic stuff, because if you ask someone in a church on Sunday morning, what do you know about spiritual warfare? They either will either be too, make a too big deal of, of Satan or not make a big deal enough of him and what the spiritual darkness looks like. And uh, speaking of spiritual darkness, there are people who are not spiritually dark, and that is the sponsors of our show. We really like those people. They're not possessed or <laughs> oppressed by uh, demons. They are a great asset to us. We love Ellen and Credit Union. They are a great uh, local lender who absolutely loves to pour into the community as well, not just uh, financial, but uh, in people. And uh, Vision First, they are a great set of individuals that look at you as more than just an eyeball, that you're a person. And Frank Enterprises, with all the rain we have had so far this year in the Louisville area, uh, if you need to get some irrigation issues, drainage, septic problems, Frank Enterprises is a great uh, resource for that bright star home care if you have a loved one who needs to transition into living independently and they're having some problems doing that bright star helps you do that dan hart financial if you want to have a investment portfolio for the future uh, that really lives biblical principles dan hart financial could do that and country lake christian retreat center i just booked an overnight for a christian or a country lake uh, coming up later on in the spring, if you need to see what they have available for the uh, summertime for your children or any kind of your organizational needs, Country Lake Christian Retreat Center are the best. So, Chad, you know, um, you know, when I think about how the enemy works, it's really kind of a, his agenda is sim- pretty simple. It's twofold. Number one, he really he he wants the people who do not know Jesus to stay and live in darkness. That's kind of agenda number one. And agenda number two, those who have trusted Christ, those who have become Christians and following Jesus, he wants them to become ineffective. He, he, he wants them to not let their light shine and be an influence positively in, in the world around them. And so I, I, I'm reminded of what Paul Tripp writes, and uh, this is, let me, let me just read this real quick. Mm-hmm. He says, it's so sad, to, it's a sad way to live. I thought as I listened to him recount the events of the night before. He worked next to me on this packing table and that kept our hands busy. But eight hours a day, we could talk. And talk we did. He was being unfaithful to his wife. He thought he was in charge. He thought he was free. But he wasn't. He told of taking his girlfriend to a certain restaurant in a small community where he lived, only to see his wife's car parked outside. He told of going to another place but having to make sure the coast was clear before they left so they wouldn't get caught. I said to him, you think you're free? You're not free. You have to hide. You have to worry about being caught. You have to lurk around in the darkness. I said, you think that I'm bound, but I'm the one who's free. When I go out with my wife, I don't have to worry about where we're going. I don't have to worry about being caught. I can live boldly in the light. And he goes on and says, sin turns all of us into citizens of the night. Hmm. And really that's, that's, that's the enemy's goal. Um, So again, if you're just joining us, we're talking today about spiritual warfare. And the first segment we talked about who the enemy is. There is a, we talked about uh, yesterday prepping for the show that there, there's a story going on and there's a good guy and a bad guy. (laughs) And pro- there's a protagonist and there's an antagonist. And the antagonist <laughs> in the story is Satan, a fallen angel, if you will. And a third, it says in Revelation uh, 12, 9, that a third of the angels of heaven 
uh, rebelled with him and now is just causing havoc all around the world. And he's even referenced to, Jesus references to Satan, he calls him the prince of this world. And so he's running around causing havoc. And we think a lot of that problems may be, well, that's over there or someone else. But the reality of it is in our day-to-day life, uh, are, are, are we being oppressed? Are we being possessed? I mean, how does the enemy, the prince of this world and all his demons, how are they affecting us on a day-to-day basis? Well, you know, he, his primary uh, you, you know, attack is just through temptation, through deception. Mm-hmm. He's, he's known as a liar. He's known as a deceiver. And, and this is how it works. I, I love, again, what Paul Tripp says. He says, that really wasn't lust. I, I'm just a man who enjoys beauty. That really wasn't gossip. It was just a very detailed, very personal prayer request. I wasn't angry at my kids. I'm just acting as one of God's prophets. Thus saith saith the Lord. I'm not on an ugly quest for personal power. No, I'm just exercising God-given leadership gifts. I'm not cold-hearted and stingy. I'm just trying to be a good steward of what God has given me. I wasn't being proud. I just thought someone needed to take control of the conversation. It really wasn't a lie. It's just a different way of recounting the facts. Hmm. And so, you know, he gets us to um, even deceive our own selves. Right. And so that we live a life of, of bondage and our homes become a, a life, instead of freedom and, and joy and laughter and, and uh, you know, the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the enemy is just all about the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So what are some some ways that someone would be oppressed or in bondage? You say that, you know, when I think of bondage, I think of like your hands are cuffed, you're you can't do things, you're not free to move about. If somebody's in bondage to demonic activity, that sounds kind of, you know, exorcist kind of horror movie-ish, but what does it look like on a practical what does bondage look like? Well, I most of the time it's just there's uh there's how the enemy typically works. He he gets us to doubt the truth of God's word, the mm-hmm. truth of living in the living in the light, and then he moves us to many times discouragement, and and then and, and ultimately to disbelief. Right. And then and then he and then he tempts us to sin. And there's there's basically two di- types of sin. There's sin of omission. There's sin of commission. You know, if I get angry at you, Chad, and I hit you. That's a sin of commission. I, I, you know, I cuss you out, and right. you know, that would be a sin of commission. And he's happy when that happens. Right. Um, but he also is very happy when, when we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to be gracious and kind and forgiving, but we're not. Mm. And so that's the sin of omission. Right. And he's just thrilled when, when that happens as well, right. when we're supposed to do something good, but we don't do it. Right. But but then he's not even happy fully with that right. because that's that's a sin. He wants the, there then to develop a pattern of sin, where it, it's not it's an, it's an ongoing, maybe not every day, but it's 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 kind of a, a regular pattern. It, in make, our, it makes in our its lives. way into your life where you don't even think that is it is a sin. You may say, "Yeah, I'm I'm." I'm totally gluttonous on food. haha, No big deal. Or it could be, I haven't looked at my bank statements in months. It's no big deal. 
it could be little things that we've just, am I hearing you right, where you think it's just little things that we've just sold ourselves on saying it's not that big of a sin and it becomes worked into our, our lifestyle. Yeah, because because then what God calls us guys to do is to be leaders, and we're going to talk about this in the in the right. segment coming up. But it's, it's when we when we as dads, when we as husbands, when we allow you know maybe some uh, uh, unhealthy words coming out of our mouths, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know our kids hear that. And then all of a sudden we begin to pass that on to our our kids and then to our grandkids. And, and maybe this is pattern of sin. I talked with a guy yesterday who really has, has uh, you know, he said, I, I've struggled with alcohol since I was a teenager. And, and uh, he, he talked about a time in his life when, you know, he just got just completely drunk and was living just not in a healthy way. And he, and he, he said, I, I was in bondage. I was not walking in freedom. I was not the joy of the Lord is my strength. I was not full of, of joy and laughter with my family. I was, I was becoming a stench to my wife. Uh, that's The enemy is all about that. Now, that's an extreme example maybe, mm-hmm. but I give the example of the, the guy who's uh, committing adultery against his wife and he's trying to, he's trying to, uh, you Man, know, he's trying to manage his sin, basically. Yeah. yeah. And anytime you're trying to do things secretly, mm-hmm. that's a very good indicator of that we're we're living a lie. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, we're we're just really good as us guys to compar- to compartmentalize. Well, that's just that's just that little area of work, right? Or that's just a little area, you know, when I'm driving. But it can begin to creep into other areas of our lives, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we're going to, coming up in the, in the next segment here, we're going to talk more about, um, so there is an enemy. He's real. He has a plan. His plan is the, uh, his, his, I heard his native tongue is, li- is, is lying. That's his native tongue. That's what he speaks. And if you think about how all this began, there was Adam, there was Eve, and there was the serpent. There were three people at that tree eating that they were not supposed to be eating from. So if we think that the serpent helped Adam and Eve fall into sin, and we think that that's not part of our daily life, we're being foolish, if you don't think that at all. Now again, if you think you're obsessed with it, that's where you're we're running to the other side of that, that football field, if you will. Yes. So in the next couple of segments, we're gonna talk about it from a guy's perspective. Okay, as a husband to my wife, as a father to my children, or even if you're not a husband or a father, what does this look like in our lives as, as men? How can we not just be conquered, stay from being conquered, but how can we actually be the conquerors of the enemy? And can we? Do we have that kind of power? We're going to take a break. We'll be back, talk more about that in the next segment on Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell coming back on Solid Steps Radio. And uh, I'm here with Kurt Souter, and we are in segment number three today. Uh, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we are talking today about a light and pithy little topic called spiritual warfare and demonic oppression. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm sure you are really uh, wanting to, to tune into this. And we've been talking the past two segments about uh, there is an enemy, and he has a plan, and he is trying to thwart our plan and our life and God's plan and undo what God has done in, in this world. And 
Uh, if you want to hear that in its entirety and the rest of this, and you're just going to catch a few minutes of it, you can go to our Facebook page on Monday and catch our podcast. We post it there, iTunes, SoundCloud, and you just type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear the show in its entirety. Timothy posted on our Facebook page that he listens every Monday as he drives from Bloomington to Jeffersonville. And he says he thanks us and he says this message from one show was so convicting and he realizes that he has some of those problems in his own life and he wants to see how he can help uh, begin to make those changes. So Timothy, thank you so much for your comments. If you're listening to the show and you've enjoyed it, pass it along. But maybe if you wouldn't mind commenting on our Facebook page, we really appreciate it. So we're talking today about spiritual warfare. You know, Chad, you know, many times, sometimes we as Christians, we think, well, Jesus, you know, we just celebrated Easter. And so Jesus conquered sin, death, and the and the enemy. And that's true. First John chapter 3, verse, um, verse 8 says, this: the, the reason the Son of God came, the, the, the reason the Son of Man appeared, Jesus, was to destroy the devil's work. And, and that's absolutely true. And yet John continues to write toward the end of the, uh, the, the book, chapter 5. He says in verse 19, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You know, what to you said earlier, you know, he's the prince of this world. And uh, the prince of this world can never overpower the king of kings. Mm-hmm. Who has more power? Right. The prince or the king? Right. And that's that, that's why that's why so many times when Jesus was um, uh, casting out demons, they would come and they would fall at his feet and they would say, "What do you want with us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God?" They knew who had the ultimate authority. They knew, and and that's why it, when when we talk about this whole spiritual warfare piece, we we have to remember how the enemy works, but we have to remember who we are mm-hmm. as children of God. And uh, so, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, you know, don't go to bed angry. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. Don't, don't, don't go to bed angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And so the enemy is constantly trying to work us. So when that verse, when you hear that, that sounds like to me, okay, if the enemy is a prince of this world, that means sounds like he's got a lot of pull. He's causing lots of havoc around the world, Okay. And then it says there, but we are, we're in Christ and we are a new creation and God is greater than Satan and we're with God and he's on our side. And, but when it says what I hear there is if you go to bed angry, you're going to give the devil a foothold. I think of a foothold, meaning that he has an opportunity or a window open. He, the enemy has a window into us, not physically into us, but into our lives. Am I reading reading that correct? It's it's kind of like um, a, a door that's been left open, kind of propped open, and we need and there's 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 opportunities for the enemy to do some damage in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages. Mm-hmm. One of those is anger. The Bible doesn't say it says, "Be angry, but don't sin." Don't sin in your anger. And so, yeah, so, yeah, that's where we get in trouble mm-hmm. when we allow our anger to get, you know, unfiltered and get out of control. I mean, that's just one area. Some, some big areas, the guy who trained me in this, he said, the, we're just kind of opening our door to the possibility of the in, influence of the enemy. When, when there's alcohol abuse, when there's drug abuse, and I'm not saying the Bible does never say thou, thou shalt not have a drink. Right. But it does say don't get drunk. Right. And so when there's uh, ongoing abuse, 
there's a possibility where we're, op- we're opening the door for Satan to have influence. Mm-hmm. When there's drug abuse, when we are not in control of ourselves, and drugs are in control, prescription or non. Um, when there's a major sexual sin, uh, that's an opportunity for the for the enemy to to work. When when uh, a generational sin, you see you see this in the life of Abraham. Abraham uh, says a half of a lie, and then uh, he says, uh, "Sarah, she's my sister." Well, that was half true. It was, it was half false, but it, w- it was really a lie. And then, so what does his son do? Isaac. Isaac does the exact same thing, only uh, he says, she's my sister, speaking of his wife. Then you go to the next generation, Isaac, um, Jacob, and Esau. Jacob is known as the deceiver. He steals the birthright. He steals the blessing from his brother. He's, he's a manipulator. Then go to the next generation. It's, it's, it's really amazing how that generational can work. So... I have heard the term generational sin and you see snapshots of that in the scriptures. So if there is a, usually you say, well, that's just somebody acting like his grandpa or his dad or, and and that just kind of goes down the line because he was a rascal. Now his son's a rascal. Now he's going to raise a rascal. A lot of times we just think that's just a behavioral trait that maybe gets passed down because we see it. But are you saying though, then the scriptures will actually teach that, that, if you have a sin generationally, it could be passed down because of demonic influence. It could be. Right. I mean, not, 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 not always. Yeah. I, again, uh, the guy who trained me said, you know, sometimes, again, the uh, one end of the football field, that behind every rock, bush, tree, couch, and chair is a, de- is a demon. Well, that's not true. Right. And, uh, and then the other extreme is we, we never even talk about the enemy and how he works. Right. Well, Paul the Apostle addresses it over and over again in his epistles. Right. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, the big, the big you know, spiritual warfare passage, he's, this is what he says. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he mentions it, you know, again, over and over again as, in his epistles, right. that we need to be, uh, uh, you know, aware of his tactics, aware of his schemes. Because he understood, like Martin Luther, Martin Luther wrote this famous hymn, and if you've never... Uh, really paid attention to these words. Um, it's a mighty fortress is our God. Chad, you remember singing this in in church? Mm, not, we, yeah, no, I was grew up Catholic, so we, this was not quite part of our uh, of our song list. But yes, I, I have. Well, you know. Um, so so anyway, but Martin Luther wrote this, you know, five, almost five hundred years sure, ago, right? And he says, "For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe." His craft and power are great, and he's armed with cruel hate, and on earth is not his equal. And what he's saying there is we're, we're no match for the enemy, but I love the next verse. Yeah. He says, did we in our own strength confide? If we were just in our own strength, our striving would be losing. We, we have no, we're no match for the enemy, but we're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Ask, who, who is that? Who does ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. When we have Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Right. When we have Christ, we, we yes, we are going to fall into temptation. We're, we're all going to, you know, we're prone to wander. We are going to sin. Right. But as we are in Christ, we, we can walk with, with victory.
So there's the enemy and he's got a plan. And then the power of God in us through the Holy Spirit and through God's word of truth. So it sounds like we're kind of caught in the middle here of this <laughs> tug of war that we've got God on one side and we've got Satan on the other. We're kind of left in the middle. What, what practically, as we come to the end here, the next couple of minutes of this segment, when we go into the next one, if a guy's listening, he says, okay, great, I get it. I have either made too big of a deal of the enemy, which my guess is the majority of people, if you grabbed them coming out of church on Sunday and you said, okay, these two extremes, which one of these do you fall under? Do you make too big of a deal of Satan or do you make too little of a deal of demonic and, and darkness? I would guess, my unofficial uh, survey here. <laughs> your, that the your, most, re your research. <laughs> yeah, this is my, my results. The most of them would probably be on the side of, hey, I barely, I barely think of the enemy, let alone am I involved in, in warfare, okay? So the 50-yard line is what we're trying to get to, which is a sober-minded view of what this should be. So what are some, one tip, not a tip, what's part of our life that we need to live that, that is on the 50-yard line when it comes to, to warfare? What are we supposed to do as men who are husbands and, and fathers? You know, I, I, to me, to Chad, there's, uh, there's a host of verses, but my, the one that I choose the most is James chapter 4, verse 7. Mm -hmm. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he will flee. And so there's, there's two verbs there. The first verb is to submit. Mm -hmm. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I, I, we, that's, I think, a daily practice. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I need you. I, 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 want, I want to walk with you today. I want to surrender. And I think when we even pray that out loud, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to live a servant life before you. You're the king. I'm your servant. You're the creator. I'm the creation. You're the master. I'm the servant. Lord, help me to submit to you. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then the second piece of that, the second verb in that verse is submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. Well, how do you resist the devil? Well, uh, we're going to unpack that in the fourth and final mm -hmm. segment. So we're talking spiritual warfare. What does that look like in our lives as, as men and women who walk with God? Uh, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, 25% of his prayer, of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he gives us involves evil, leading us not into temptation or delivering us from evil. So if 25% of the Lord's Prayer involves the enemy, how much of your prayer involves the enemy? We're going to talk a little bit more about that aspect of it, that piece of it, when we come back on our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. Hello and welcome to our fourth and final segment today of Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell, that's Kurt Souter, and uh, we have been speaking the past three segments about spiritual warfare, and this is what we have come up with. <laughs> there is a bad guy, and his name is Satan, and he's got some cohorts named demons, and there are a third of them of the angels of heaven rebelled with him, and they've been causing, uh, raising all kinds of ruckus the past, oh, well, you know, a few years. And there's all kinds of darkness and all kinds of issues going on around the world, and we are not immune to it. But because of the work of the cross, because of the work of the empty tomb, because of the work of God, we have the ability to overcome the tempter and the evil one. And uh, 
we could screw this up in one of two ways. We can make too big of a deal of the devil and we can make too little of a deal of the devil. And so the past three segments we've talked about that there is an enemy, we have the power to overcome him and that power is in us and the power is in the truth of God's word. So that being said, here we are and there's probably some dads, husband, men who are dads and husbands listening and saying, okay, that's great. But what does that mean for me practically? And you just started unpacking your kind of the overall, really a, like a big picture verse about spiritual warfare was James 4, 7. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. And you started talking about it begins with submitting to God and submitting to God is not just what you do in, in the quiet time in the morning or on Sundays for one hour. <laughs> it is a lifestyle of submission. And when we submit to God, then it talks about the piece of resisting the devil and we're going to pick up from there. So, you know, Chad, m- many times, I mean, for us guys, the, the enemy really doesn't care if we do one of those verbs, you know, submit to God, but he doesn't want us to submit to God and resist the devil. And so, you know, when we think about that, when I, th- I think about as a dad, what I've tried to do in, as a husband over the years is I try to just flesh that out, James 4, 7. And, and eight, you know, to, to humble ourselves before the, under, under the mighty hand of God, that we, we would be people who submit to God, resist the devil. So that means I've got I've to live a life of submission, and i got to help try to help my kids live a life of submission, not just outwardly, mm-hmm. but a heart of tenderness. That's why Jesus, I think, said, blessed are the, pure, are the poor, in heart, uh, poor in spirit. There's something about when we say, Lord, I need you. Mm-hmm. I can't do this on my own. God is delighted because that's that's a, a, an act of faith. Those are words of faith and trust in him. But then it's also this piece of submitting to God and resisting the devil. And the classic example of that is is Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus resists the devil. And how well how does he do that? He's being led by the spirit. He's using the scriptures over and over again when he's being tempted. He uses the Bible. He uses scripture repeatedly and then at the very end he says satan hit the road get be gone get out of here and the bible says he leaves he has to go and when we exercise the authority of christ in us when we say satan by the power of the blood of the lamb of god by his authority by his name by his blood you gotta you gotta hit the road and we 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 taught our kids for years how to submit to God, resist the devil. We tell him, hit the road, be gone, Satan. I'm a child of the king. I'm a son of the most high God. And I am, a, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. That's not, those aren't my words. That's what Jesus says. That's, that's who we are. This is what scripture says. Mm-hmm. And so when we submit to God and resist the devil in that way, um, that's, that's the life of victory. Mm-hmm. Not, not perfection, right. but a life of victory. And it says there that he w- might flee, sometimes flee, most of the time flee. It says he will flee. He has to go. Right. He has to go. When we submit to the full authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and we resist the enemy, like Jesus did in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. Now, Luke's gospel says, and he left, but for an opportune time. I mean, he's coming back. Right. We're going to be tempted. Uh, that's, that's not a, a matter of if. Right. That's a matter of when. I think one of the best analogies I've heard is that during World War II, there was 
when when the war was over and the Japanese surrendered to America, there were still pockets in islands in in, uh, in Japan that they still thought the war was going on. They didn't get the memo, the text, if you will, <laughs> that the war was over and they were still fighting. Even though the war was over, there were still battles raging. The enemy is defeated. Yes. He was defeated at the cross. He was defeated when Jesus walked out of the tomb. He is defeated, but yet he's still coming out swinging because he knows he's defeated. And that's where the battle still lies. And, and the, beautiful, the beautiful thing is when you read Revelation chapter 20, the enemy and all his horde of demons will be cast into the lake of fire and, and forever and ever. And that, that is the ultimate victory. Um, and, and what we have to do today is we have to fight. I, I, I was, I'm reminded of what someone asked a Chinese. He was visiting America mm-hmm. from China. And somebody said, well, hey, hey, what, what's the biggest difference between the Christians in China and the Christians in America? And he said, oh, that's, that's easy. You Americans, you Christians in America, you don't know we're in a war. And so many times we, we, we were unfamiliar with what this really scriptures teach. And so one of the things I think that we have to do as men is we, we have to read out loud the Bible with our, with our family, with our spouses. We have to read it to ourselves and we have to and, and meditate on it and reflect on it. So it's truth is saturating our hearts and our minds, our souls. And then I think we have to do what Ephesians chapter six says when, when uh, Paul says, pray, 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 pray. We need mm-hmm. to be, we need to pray. We have to rely on, on the Lord. God, I can't do this. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Lord, impart to me knowledge and discernment. I don't know how to be a dad, but you help me. Would you guide me? God delights when we pray like that. So when we have this, this, this heart of turning to his truth, we have a heart to cry out to him and be in prayer. I, I think a, a, another way when we think about submitting to God and resisting the devil, I think it's also this, the power of confession when we confess our sins and some, I, I don't think we're really good at that in the evangelical world, Chad. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, when you look at Matthew six, when Jesus said, when the, the disciple says, teach us how to pray, he says, okay, when you pray, pray this way. Part of it was uh, submitting to God, right? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Absolutely. And then there was also the aspect of, you said confession that, you know, forgive us our trespasses. Mm-hmm. There's that idea of humbling yourself before God and saying, okay, where am I not right with God and asking for forgiveness? And then at the end of it, it's deliver us from the evil one, meaning, hey, we need to be delivered from this, something that is here. And so uh, you talk about confession. That's that's one of those things that is just a, a non-negotiable. Really. Yeah, well, I think, Chad, I think one of the, the lies of the enemy is I can't I can't share this with anybody. Mm. Secrets are from Satan. Yeah, we... I mean, and, and the, you know, the, there's two types of confession that really break the, 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 the stronghold of the enemy. It's the confession to God. Lord God, I did it. Yep, I, I absolutely screwed up. I didn't make a mistake. No, I sinned. I, I, I've chose to, to do wrong, and I've blown it. And it, it's sin in your eyes, God, and I just confess that to you. But then there's not only just confession to God, but James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to one another. Why? 
the end of that verse says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There's something about freedom that happens when we talk to a brother and say, I have struggled in this area and I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my sin. I just, I just had an experience not too long ago with a, with a dear friend and we just c- confess sin. And it was, it, it's, it's absolutely freedom that what happens and the enemy doesn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want us to confess to God and to confess to one another. Okay. In our final couple of minutes here, quickly, give me a, a, a prayer reference. If somebody says, I don't even know what to pray, to pray for protection for our f- children. If by the way, if your kids are getting up in the middle of the night saying I'm having bad dreams or, I, you know, to say that there has nothing to do with spiritual warfare, possibly again, not getting too extreme is being a little bit naive to think that our children are not susceptible to oh my goodness, yes. these things. So taking them seriously, if, if you said, okay, what scripture would you recommend to pray out loud and I think there's something about doing it out loud, so yes. any any ears in the he- room can hear. What would you recommend? John chapter 17. Jesus is praying high priestly prayer. He's praying over his disciples, and he's praying for us. And he says, Father, protect them from the evil one. Mm-hmm. And he mentions it twice. And so I, 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 if I'm praying over my... my I, this morning, I prayed over Nancy. Lord, protect her from the evil one today. Mm-hmm. Protect me from the evil one today. Protect my kids, our kids from the evil one. Right. And then, and then I, I, I tack in, you know, s- several other words. Lord, help me to think on those things that are true and right and pure and lovely, the things that are trustworthy. Philippians 4. Right. Um, help me to think on those things throughout today. Right. I think Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, when it talks about the armor of God, you know, yep. truth and righteousness and peace and all of those things. So, well, we could go on and on. We're going to have to wrap up, unfortunately, uh, on today's show. But a uh, couple real quick, Kurt, couple, two or three references, books that really are good readings. That uh, maybe... Victory Over the Darkness by uh, Dr. Neil Anderson and uh, The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson as well. Two great resources talking about the powers of darkness, but also victory over the darkness. M- the mentor who used to train me said he always would sign his letters, Christ is victor. Praise out. Lord, help us to walk in victory. We know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants us to walk defeated, unjoy-filled, you know, just pathetic lives, Lord. But you have called us to walk in freedom. You've called us to walk in victory, and help us to do that. Protect us, Lord. Protect our listeners right now from the powers of darkness so that we may live victorious lives in the light. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our goal of the show today was just to put this on your radar. If it's not on your radar, it needs to be part of it whether it's prayer, whether it's conversation, that spiritual warfare is an aspect of it. Listen, if Jesus prayed it, why aren't you? Why aren't I? So just take that to heart. And uh, hey, if you this show has mentioned something to you and you really enjoyed it or uh, know someone that has, comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear back some feedback to let you know how you're being encouraged by the show. Thanks for listening. And again, this will be posted on Monday on a podcast. If you're hearing this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday on our Facebook page, you can listen to it commercial free. Thanks to our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union. And uh, we really appreciate you listening to Solid Steps Radio.